You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is Wednesday, July 14th, and today we've got Josh Axelrod from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and D9PHR, as always, for our Wednesday episodes. We're going to start talking about recent story by Ryan Burr, or at least a sourced information about Ben Roethlisberger's diet and what he's doing to get ready for the season. Then, pro, we're going to dip into some history because Pro Football Reference finally is recognizing sacks going all the way back to 1960, and that means that the 70 Steelers are going to get a lot more recognition for what they did in bringing the quarterback down during their era. We're going to talk about the significance of that and a reminder of just how important that defense is, not just to the Steelers' history, but to NFL history right here today on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, which you can download anywhere, but especially on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the app Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A. CY Odyssey. Remember to rate us five stars with a positive comment with, uh, because those together get you a shout at the end of the show and it really helps us out here on the podcast. Let's get into it. So on Wednesdays, y'all know what time it is. It's time for the agency, the C, the I, the A. I'm Chris Carter here with Dean Pietro and Josh Axelrod. There's the CIA for you. We are us here as usual on Wednesdays. We're t- teaming up our, th- our, th- our three-man show here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Um, yesterday, Tony Serino went off a bit on Ben Roethlisberger because we were talking about the top 10 list that was issued by ESPN and they're going position by position. Ben was in the top 10 quarterbacks, um, which I didn't really have a problem with. I was like, sure, I get that. But then, you know, when, when we were talking about the list, then, you know, Tony kind of went in and said like, I don't know, man, I do think it's actually likely, or, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that Mason Rudolph. You know, that Ben is benched for Mason Rudolph at some point this year. And that's where I was. Yeah, that's where I was like, that's a little much. So if you want to hear all of that nonsense, that was yesterday's show where I went at Tony for that. But I wanted to talk to you guys about something because Ryan Burr, who is uh, he's, he's been a reporter for years, used to he's been a broadcaster, used to work for Fox Sports Pittsburgh. Um, but he he let off a series of tweets Tuesday morning that just kind of caught me off. Like, what happened? And um, he started talking about Ben Roethlisberger and he talked about how he saw him transform um, going into a star quarterback and that he had, you know, the motorcycle ends accident. He had booze problems. He had problems with women. He said, but then he got married, was forced to settle down. And he said, but the, the narrative of him being a beer guzzling, lazy Ben Roethlisberger never went away. And this kind of just like grew and grew of a thread. I suggest you go check out at Ryan Burr, uh, B-U-R-R. Uh, when you're, if you want to see the full thread, but basically he talks about how Ben gets blamed for everything. Um, and does any other athlete get blamed for things as much as he is? He says that Ben Roethlisberger is tired of it. He says that Ben Roethlisberger's diet is quote unquote stricter than Tom Brady's right now. Um, and that he's, and, and that he's worried, he's, he's pissed. He's, he's tired of hearing all the things he's heard about him and that he's taking this year very seriously. I mean, we, we always hear, oh, man, Ben looks really in shape this year whenever he shows up to training camp. That happens a lot over the past 10 years. Um, and, and I guess it's cool that he's he's taking things strictly, but I, some, it, it's tough to, for me to gauge, guys, where I see Ben Roethlisberger actually fitting. Like, I, like where's the truth in this? Is Ben in, in this impeccable shape? How much of that impacts the season? And, you know, 
is is Burr right that he is vilified in the way that he was described? He absolutely is vilified in the national media. In the national media, he is. He is. I agree with that. And I don't know why they have such a bug up their collective butts about him. Like, who's who's he? Who's who did he hurt? You know, who did he wound in the national media? Um, you know, he's not the most you know personable, get along guy. But so what? Yeah. I mean, the guy wins. Him and Tomlin win. That's what they do win and yeah they haven't won a super bowl in how many years of course but they're a winning franchise you know this is not the cincinnati Bengals or the detroit lions okay and as far as whether it's in shape there was one year and i don't remember what year it was i think there was the year that we were all talking about oh that's fat ben you know and there was mm-hmm. one year who came and wasn't in shape i don't remember what year and so what that narrative's going to stick around forever how about we look at what he looks like when he shows up on training camp day and see? That's a good. And that's a good idea. I'm willing to be bet that he's in shape because he also knows he's getting older. So he knows, and much like Tom Brady did, you know, you know as you get older, you realize you better do all the steps. There is no cutting corners if you want to make it through a whole season in the NFL. And so I believe that Ben will do that. And but the. the, the it's, it's, it's a case of the national media being lazy and they, they, they find one thing. Oh yeah. Ben was fat one time. So he's always fat now or out of shape. Like, come on, do some work, be better. <laughs> I mean, I think I can speak for all of us when I say this is a very body positive podcast. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's out here fat shaming anyone, including the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and I say that to say that, what is in shape for Ben just might not be what in shape looks like for a lot of quarterbacks. So a lot of national media folks might just compare Ben to like, I don't know, Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes and then be like, well, that guy's fat, which I mean, the dude is large. He just carries his weight in a very different way than most quarterbacks do. And that's the reason that he's been so good because people just bounced off of him when they try to sack him. That's what, how he earned his reputation as like a guy who could extend plays for so many years. So like when people have that perception of Ben, it just doesn't really make sense because it, it's like, it's like people in the NBA saying that, Oh, Nikola Jokic is, is, is just a, a fat club. And then he goes out there and wins an MVP and they're still, and they're still calling him that. Whereas Ben, again, he's won two Super Bowls and they're like, Oh, that guy's always out of shape. And, just because he looks like a guy who you might see at Mario's on a Saturday doesn't mean he's out of shape. It's just how he carries his weight. And he's always in good shape for Ben Roethlisberger. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's the other thing. He's a different kind of quarterback. You know, he's not the, he, you're like, he's not the guy that's going to run all over the place. And, and also, he's a big guy. That's another thing that, like, when you're 6'5 and you're older, it is not that easy just to, just to stage you, it. Is, it is a lot harder to kind of pack on or to try to just, like, shed things off that, that way. Um, but, and, and, and at his position, it pays for him to be a little thicker because he needs to be able to take hits well, uh, and not fat. I'm not saying, you know, be, be him being a slob, but this is part of who he's been. And here's the thing is that again, last year, I, 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 ne- I don't think that Ben's f- anything about his physicality or, or anything that he loses from anything that he does in the off season. I don't think that's the, the problem that Ben Ben's run into. I think last year specifically, I think his arm gave out the, the system that he was in was forcing him to, uh, to, to try to be too cerebral when that's just not his game. 
Um, I, I actually still think his body is still in a good shape to be an NFL quarterback and to lead an offense. I, I think the biggest thing he's always had is that he's not the most cerebral quarterback. He can get fooled with, with, you know, with, with fake outs and, and fake blitzes and where things are coming from. Um, uh, but you know, I get where Brian Burr's come from. He is vilified nationally. I, and again, I always think that there's that, that, uh, that, that, that two-sided coin where on one side, yeah, the national media is scathing. They, 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 they are relentless. They, they talk about him. They talk about the Steelers. But when you come locally, there's very few people that criticize Ben Roethlisberger in an, in, in an open way. You know, a lot of people like they'll occasionally say like, Oh, like even myself, I've been called a Ben hater for, for, for things that I've said about Ben. And all I've said is, Hey, you know what? The, he's made a lot of bad reads the, the past couple games. Like, you know, I'll, I'll talk about what he does do right on the field. And um, that, that to me, is is being objective that's when you're being realistic about Ben Roethlisberger and I think I think there's a good amount of people who are and there's things people who brush past his his mistakes but it's just it's one of those conversations when I saw this thread from Ryan Burr just about how he's pissed I'm like I, I'm glad yeah let Ben be pissed because when he's pissed I, I do think he plays well mm-hmm. oh yeah well put that chip on his shoulder please do put the chip on his shoulder on any Steelers shoulder that's when they thrive Yep. is when the world's against them and they're fighting everybody else's opinion. Please do national media and we're going to have a successful season with the Steelers just to spite you. I mean, like Ben's now, people are calling Ben the fourth best quarterback in the AFC. Mm-hmm. That's not motivation enough. I don't know what is. The only thing I want to push back on what Ryan Burr reported was Ben having a stricter diet than Tom Brady. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. Has Tom Brady ever ever tried a strawberry? Like, is he, has he ever put a strawberry? <laughs> in house? I'm gonna guess Ben has at some point. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna push back on that little element of what Ryan Burr reported. Otherwise, all of that sounds great, and I I want an angry Big Ben going into. The, what might be his final season. Hey, I mean, when he, when he was visibly pissed after his, uh, after their loss to the Jaguars in that regular season game back in 2017, they won every single regular season game after that uh, until the Patriots game with Jesse James. Um, so, I mean, that was, uh, if that's any indication of how serious he takes these type of things, that's uh, I think that's a good indication of where the Steelers are going. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. I want to talk to these guys about, something that that, that that came up as far as history-wise with the Pittsburgh Steelers and with the entire NFL, but how it impacts the outlook on the history of the franchise and some guys that it could change the legacy of or at least change the conversation about the legacy. We'll talk about that right after this. BetOnline.ag the only place that we trust here in the Lockdown Podcast Network to place bets on. Even though football season's over, there's a ton of different ways to make money by gambling on sports right now. If you go to betonline.ag today and sign up for your free account, you'll get a 50% bonus to your first deposit simply by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word, and that will get you your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Right now, sure, the NFL's done, but you can put money down on where certain free agents might be going in the NFL. You can also bet on college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. All different ways to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. Remember, 
Use that promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, all capital letters, all one words, to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, and Chris Carter here with D9 Pietro of Channel 11 and Josh Axford of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Now, guys, um... Pro Football Reference, which is the place where most people get their, their their sports statistics and everything from the public and everything, that's where a lot of the, the records are kept and held throughout all the time. Now, everybody knows that the NFL uh, that a sack was not officially a stat in the NFL until like 1982, I believe, was the official date. Um, and so, no uh, no sack has been had been recorded officially, and they're still not official at, at this point in time, but. Over the weekend, Pro Football Reference put tallied up and they said, we're going to now count unofficial sacks that aren't registered by the NFL, but we're going to count all those going back to 1970 based off of the film and the, the information that they had on those games that they played. Now, of course, this is huge for the Steelers because the Steelers have always been a defensive team that gets after the quarterback. I mean, even right now, TJ Watt was in the top 10. By including all the sacks from the Steelers of the 70s, T.J. Watt is now 11 because three guys crept into the top 10. Dwight White now has the ninth most sacks in Steelers history with 55, bumping down Greg Lloyd's 53 and a half. Um, but the, the, the two went right to the top three. James Harrison still holds number one with 80 and a half sacks. L.C. Greenwood has 78 sacks by this tally. Joe Green has 77 and a half. Between them, that's more than 150 sacks between them from 1969 to 1981 that is ridiculous but it's also a reminder of how great that steel curtain was and i i've always felt like everyone kind of just talks about it but you didn't have stats because sacks weren't a thing tackle tackles for loss weren't a, weren't a, weren't a big weren't a big thing that still isn't counted um now this kind of let like reminds people oh wait those were defensive you know, that, you know, that was the Joe Green was a defensive tackle at 77 and a half sacks. That's ridiculous. So do you have, do you have the Steelers list in front of you? Yes. Okay. So who's behind green and Greenwood? So it's Harrison at 80.5 Greenwood mm-hmm. at 78, Joe mm-hmm. Green at 77 and a half, Jason Gilden at 77. And then Joey Porter is at 60. Hmm. I guess sacks don't get you into the hall of fame very much. Do they? Uh, apparently they don't. <laughs> Joe Green, the only one, right? Yeah, that's that. That is that is a very fair thing to point out. Because um, again, Elsie Greenwood, it, it, to my recollection, as far as I, I remember reading this, someone went and tallied all of his sacks in the Super Bowl. He still has the most sacks in the Super Bowl. I think he has five sacks in Super Bowl games. No one has sacked quarterbacks more in the Super Bowl than Elsie Greenwood. And if you don't know who Elsie Greenwood is, first of all, he was a great man. Uh, he grew up in the East End of Pittsburgh, I believe, like Point Breeze area. Was when I grew up, he lived there. He didn't grow up in Pittsburgh, but he he, he lived in 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 uh, Point Breeze for a long time. I knew several people knew him, and I got to meet the guy. The dude was smooth as silk. Uh, he was always super cool, um, and he wore he wore gold shoes because whenever he made a tackle, people would just say it was Joe Green that made a tackle, and he was tired of it because they he wore seventy eight. Joe Green wore wore seventy five. But uh, again, I think this is really cool that now we're looking back and and you get to see that's how good that defensive front was. That's why they were called the steel curtain. Three of these guys are top 10 all time in a sack list where, you know, the Steelers are known for getting after the quarterback. 
you know, I, I'm not a general proponent of, oh, everybody from the 70s Steelers needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Because not everybody can get to the Hall of Fame. And, mm-hmm. you know, from our previous discussions that I hold the Hall of Fame at a much higher standard than the Hall of Fame does in terms of who gets in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the general Steeler fan, probably, for instance, as we've mentioned before, I don't think Heinz Ward is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know Oof. I will get fried for that across a lot of you know fans, and that's I'm fine. You in my eyes right now. <laughs> I, I I felt a little warm, and uh, <laughs> but okay. I mean, we're all entitled to our opinions with that. And that's fine. But just so you know, I'm not a oh push every Steeler who was really good to get in the Hall of Fame. But Elsie Greenwood is an omission. He is an omission, and this helps prove it. Two guys on that def- on a defensive line. Having that number of sacks and that number of impact, and at the end of the day, how dominant that team, that steel curtain was for a 10, 11-year period, and one guy is in the Hall of Fame? Really? Yeah. I think there's a place for Elsie Greenwood in the future and the uh, whatever they call it, the legends, the old-timers, the boomers, whatever you want to do. Um, the old guys to uh, – to get him into the Hall of Fame, I think him not being there is an omission, and this this helps show that. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's a particularly hot take. Anyone who sacks the quarterback that much should probably be in the Hall of Fame. Anyone who, when they when Pro Football Reference has to go back and watch individual games, shoots up a team's list like that, probably was being underrated for that exact reason. And now that the actual stats exist, maybe that'll push his case over the edge. Um, obviously I'm, I'm young. I will defer to Dean on the 70s Steelers. I don't have any real insight on Delcy Greenwood, but clearly he helped the Steelers win a bunch and he was clearly the running mate that Joe Green needed. So, I mean, sounds, sounds like I'm just trying to think of Steelers like sack tandems. Those two are probably the strongest. Like I guess Harrison and Woodley are up there. Uh, Aaron Smith is probably involved in there somewhere as well. well Aaron Smith wasn't much of a sack man. He was more of a run stuffer. But okay. but, but but to your point, uh, if we're looking at history, Jason Gilden and Joey Porter as a, as a tandem from 99 hmm. to 2003, they were together for four years. Uh, in their time, Jason Gilden had 77 sacks. Porter had 60, had 60 sacks. Now, granted, some of those years didn't overlap. Um, they were a tandem. You could say uh, – Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd were a heck of a tandem. Greg Lloyd still 10th all time on Steelers sack list, uh, along with Kevin Green, who's 16th with 35 and a half, but he has all time NFL records with his production with the Panthers and the Rams. Um, but you, you know, to talk, it's not, it wasn't just the one, two punch again, Dwight white, the other defensive end of this, of the steel curtain had 55 sacks. He oh, was damn. all, he was just as important. God he was yeah, he, he, he wasn't as, as great as LC, but he was still great and an important piece. And Ernie Holmes, the other defensive tackle for the first two Super Bowls. Now, the one thing is that Ernie Holmes wasn't with the Steelers through all four Super Bowls. He was also really crazy and tough to keep down. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but as a defensive tackle, in five years, he had 39 and a half sacks in five, five years. Damn. That's ridiculous. Excuse me, six years. But still, six years. How does someone total that many sacks? I mean, 39 and a half. What is the what are the team sack totals in those years with, with these numbers? I mean, they've got to be astronomical. They 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 have to be. Let me let me put those together for you real quick. Um, I, I mean you're 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 counting between 
I mean, you're counting between the, the just the steel curtain alone, just the steel curtain alone, yeah, just not, them. And then a 14 game season for most of those years. Yeah. That's, that's the thing here is that this is also the shorter seasons. Oh. Also less teams through the ball. Right. Um, so like that was that that was it's it's a, there's a lot less opportunities there, um, with Dwight White and Ernie Holmes. Between just the four of them, it's 250 sacks even. That's ridiculous. Wow, it's quite a lot of sacks. That's <laughs> what a dominant team. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Elsie uh, Greenwood is a victim in a way of Jack Lambert. Mel Blunt, yeah, Joe Green, you know that's why he's not in. That's why it took Donnie Shell so long to get in. If it had put up those kind of numbers on any other team, it'd have probably been in the Hall of Fame. Well, they're they're also what made the Steel Curtain Steel Curtain. All the guys just doing their doing the dirty work, no matter whether they were getting all the credit or not. I mean, the it it, it take it takes a full team to win anything, obviously, and right. you know you need your role players who are willing to just grind away while the stars might get more of the limelight but they're the ones who might be even more of the reason it it works out in the end what a hell of a role player my goodness (laughs) yeah get get him get get that man in the hall of fame i'm now on i'm now on to get elsie greenwood in the in the hall of fame train i I agree i mean elsie should have been in for a number of reasons like there was there was a there was a lot of me even beyond these numbers the guy was a phenomenal pass rusher he was a huge part of that of that steel curtain defense um you know he wasn't up the middle like joe green was but he he certainly was the extra presence that they had here now i'm going through these numbers because i'm i'm trying to do what what dean was alluding to tallying up all the guys from that crew. I also included Gary Dunn, who I have met once. Um, very nice guy. I also met Joe Green, uh, not Joe Green, Elsie um, Greenwood. One time I got, I, I wanted to get him, get him to autograph a book for my father for, for Christmas. And he saw my face and he saw how young I was. And he was like, you don't even know who I am. And I said, <laughs> I said, Elsie, no, nah, I know who you are. You're the guy with the yellow shoes. And he looks at me with stone, with, with stone cold eyes. And he says, they were gold gold shoes brother and he just it was the and i was like oh i thought i said something wrong um but then but he was the nicest person in the world that's why again that's what uh, uh, you know lc do it do it you know just just being lc we're gonna take a quick break we're not done talking about this when we come back we're gonna finish this this because this there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to the history of the of these Steelers. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all... Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, locked on in their how did you hear about us section so that they can know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. You need a snack that's going to both help you get through the rest of your day, but also be good for you. That's where Built Bar comes in. 
Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 18 amazing flavors, including six of their newest ones, being Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. There's so much to enjoy. And also, don't forget, they help you lose and maintain weight. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for anyone that's currently on a keto diet. Right now, Built Bar has a special promo code for you to get a great deal on their website. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's LOCKEDON15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with D9 Pietro and Josh Axelrod, talking about the impact of these, these Steelers from the, from the 70s and getting their sack totals in there. I was just talking about my story with Elsie with Greenwood, that was, and that's a real story. I've also known several people who knew him. He was a church-going man. He was a very nice guy in the community. Um, and I'm telling you, he had that deep like calming voice that if you read a book to you, you'd just be like, this is as close to James Earl Jones as I can get. <laughs> and like, that's, that's like how soothing, like his, 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 when he, when he talked was, but I did some quick math totaling up between Ernie Holmes, Elsie Greenwood, Joe Green, um, uh, Dwight White. I also did Gary Dunn for the, for oh, numbers, Josh, for numbers. I'm looking for Banazak. I haven't found him yet. Um, we're gonna start this over again, just so I make sure. So, so, so again, so we got the the seventy eight from jo- from from Elsie Greenwood, the seventy seven and a half from Joe from Joe Green. We've got again fifty five sacks from Dwight White, which is again ridiculous. Um, Ernie Holmes getting thirty nine again thirty nine and a half sacks in six seasons as a defensive tackle. I mean. Quick math, that's more than six sacks a year from a from a DT and from your number two DT. Like that, I mean, that, that kind of t- also solidifies Ernie Holmes and Joe Green might have been the greatest one-two punch of defensive tackle of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gary Dunn had 35. Uh, let's see here. Andy Russell had 38 he was a linebacker he's a linebacker but we're, we're just counting the st- the 70s that's Steelers defense that's for a linebacker yeah that I mean that is a lot and uh, again an off-ball linebacker he's not like TJ Watt he was a cover guy primarily right. um you know he helped he helped stuff the run and do those things Jack Ham had 25 and a half Jack Lambert had 23 and a half and there's John Banasak with 22 and a half so We'll we'll keep it at that. We'll leave off the uh, um, the Robin Coles, even though I've, I've met him. He's also a very nice guy. Uh, but when when you look at when when you look at just those guys, that's three hundred and ninety four and a half sacks. Damn. There's nothing else to say, but damn. Yeah. You just talk about the numbers from the seventies. That's, that, that's ridiculous. That's why that's people insane. say this was the greatest defense that ever lived. That's why when people talk about this Steelers, I think a lot of younger Steelers fans don't connect with that argument. When people start to get in those arguments, they're like, oh, I don't have any connection to that team. No, no, you got to understand 
that team destroyed people. It kept great teams with great players like Earl Campbell and the Oilers, one of the best, maybe the best power running back of all time. They kept that man from ever seeing the Super Bowl. Ken Anderson and Bill Walsh's West, the early formings of the West Coast offense with the Cincinnati Bengals in the 70s. They kept that team from ever making it to the Super Bowl. If it wasn't for the Steelers, the Cowboys would have seven Super Bowls right now. You know, yeah. like the, how many Super Bowls would the Raiders have if it was if it oh wasn't for the Steelers? Like yeah. that, and it was all behind that defense. And the offense eventually came along in the later part of the seventies. But it's again very clear this is where the emphasis has been for for this. This is why everyone talks about this team at like it's the greatest defense that ever lived. All you got to do is look at that nineteen seventy six team after they started one and Ooh. three. Yeah, one and four. One and four. I'm sorry, one and four, right. Their last nine games, they only gave up double-digit points once, and they shut out, I think, five. Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous yeah, they, what they were doing. I believe that year in the, in the Pro Bowl, there were nine Steelers on the AFC's defense and two other players. Yeah, it was, they changed the rules. They changed the because rules. Because of the Steelers' defense, primarily Mel Blunt. Yeah, but they changed the rules because there wasn't enough offense because of the Steelers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what more do you need out of that? But these numbers are just highlighting what we, you know, as uh, Gen Xers <laughs> already knew. I mean, because you know we saw it. I saw the tail end of it. I didn't see it from the beginning. I was um, the first year I watched was actually the '78 when the offense started coming around. But I've also watched a lot of game footage from 72 to 78 as well. And I, I, I saw a lot of the, the dom, just outright dominance of what they did. And it was absurd. If you, what they if, did to Fran Tarkenton in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Chuck I mean, Foreman, shutting them down, minus yards rushing. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> I mean, the, the things that they did, the people got to understand, in the 1974 AFC Championship game, when they faced the, – the Raiders had three Hall of Fame line offensive linemen. No other offensive line has had three. I, I, used, I did this research a long time ago uh, when, I, when, I would, when I was writing about this. No other offensive line in NFL history to this day has had three off, Hall of Fame offensive linemen on it at the same time. They were the number one rushing offense. They were coming – they came into Pittsburgh. They were going to – they, they, they said they were going to stomp all over the Steelers. The Steelers – the Steel Curtain shut them down. They beat the tar out of them. And I don't think they had like 30 yards in the game. Um, and, and that was the reason when the Steelers got to their first Super Bowl. And again, they faced Hall of Fame quarterback Fran Tarkin, the, 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 two, the next two Super Bowls. They faced Hall of Fame quarterback Roger Staubach. You know, they, they, they beat legends to, 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 do, to do what they did. The Vikings would have a Super Bowl if it wasn't for the Steelers. Um, but again, that's why when you see these sack numbers go up on pro football reference, and I, I think it needs to happen more that people recognize just how great that deep that that defensive era was for this organization and why so many people hold on to it and are like no 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 we're not done talking about this because it literally defined an era of the nfl it was yeah go ahead josh oh i'm sorry i just also want to say that it's kind of wild to think about that defense also kind of is the reason that pittsburgh was revitalized as a city just in addition to all the all the awesome things they did on the field and not to discount anything that the offense was doing, because obviously Bradshaw and Harris and Swan and Saltworth, all of them are legends as well. But man, that steel curtain defense is essentially the reason Pittsburgh like became the city that it evolved into today. Like it was a kind of a, it, it went from being a depressed region to one of hope. 
and pride and especially pride in their stellars. So like, yeah, that, I, I mean, uh, the numbers obviously speak for themselves, but it just, I, I just don't think we can emphasize enough that the impact off the field of that steel curtain was probably greater, which is saying something, but probably greater than what it was on the field. It was, it was, it was the perfect meshing of a type of football player and the attitude of a town and one that needed to be lifted up because that's at the end of, of the boom of steel at the end of the seventies and the steel workers were starting to lose all their jobs. And there was a lot of depression and the Steelers are what galvanized people and it, and it gave them hope and it gave them something to cheer for something to be happy about because these guys were like them. They were blue collar. They were lunch pail. They were going to shove it down your throat and kick you in the ass. If you got in their way, that's, and that it was just the perfect type of team. Like the, the greatest show on turf may not have flown here as well or identified as well with a fan base, but the steel curtain was made for what the Steeler fan was in that time period. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was what, again, the hard working, the, 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 the super defense. I mean, even today, the lore of the defense thing and the Steelers got to have the, the mentality that Steelers fans have, man, if the Steelers don't have like the best defense in the NFL, yeah, we stuck. We, we, we're not, we're not this. When Steelers fans talk like that, it's because of how most of us were raised. Like when I, I grew up in the nineties, I was born in 89, grew up, grew up in the nineties. And when Blitzburg returned with, 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 with Greg Lloyd and, and Kevin Green as a kid, you know, that was just a mentality, but it all fed off of everyone. Everyone's pointing to you, but you ain't, you ain't that defense. You ain't that great defense. And so when the two thousands came around and people started cart calling the, the 2008 defense, the steel curtain two, I mean, it was because people are still looking at it. Like the standard is that defense from the seventies. They set the tone for so much. That's where I, that that's where I think this all needs to come into. If you're a young Steelers fan, you know, go look up the America's game documentaries of the ninth. Okay. Of the, they they have yeah. them for all six of the Steelers Super Bowls, including all Super Bowls, but they have, they have a ton of them. You cannot, you, you, you cannot be a, a Steelers fan and understand the culture of the organization without understanding why those, years were so important and how how great that defense was even rod woodson rod woodson a guy who the steelers let go into free agency had every reason to hate the organization or do whatever one he went to the ravens and won a super bowl with them on that 2000 defense which a lot of contemporary like a lot of modern writers they'll say oh that was the greatest defense of all time he was on a panel like i'd say i want to say like eight years ago on nfl network and it was him warren Sapp. And, and, and Antonio Cromartie, and they were talking about all-time great defenses. And, you know, and, and like Warren Sapp listed the Buccaneers because he's, he's Warren Sapp. Uh, Cromartie said the Ravens, and they all looked at Rod and said, you're just gonna, you, you need to say the Ravens because they are the greatest defense that ever lived. And Rod Woodson said, no, it was that 70s defense of the Steelers. Mel Blunt's the greatest corner that ever lived, and that's the greatest defense that ever lived. And he didn't play on it. He wasn't born a Steelers fan, but him just being part of the organization for what, five years, six years, seven years, however long he was with, he was in Pittsburgh. He, even he recognized the greatness of that unit. So that, that's again, that's why these, these sack numbers are so huge and why we spent two segments on, on it. Um, because it's, I, I do think it's really cool. Go check out those numbers on profootballreference.com. Um, guys, thanks so much for being on the show. As always, it's always fun to have you on Wednesdays. Uh, Josh, let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the Locked on Steelers Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter at Jaxelberg with an H, and you can find my work at postgazette.com. 
And if you're into Space Jam, uh, I got some good stuff for you this week. Woo! Don't, no spoilers. No spoilers. You can't possibly spoil Space Jam 2. It's unspoilable. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Listen, listen. I don't have any idea what's going to happen in this movie. I mean, I know LeBron James is in it. Is he going to play basketball? Who knows? I mean, it, 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 it could be a complete plot. They may play Spoiler football. Alert. alert, he plays basketball. No, you ruined the movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can, Dean, I tell, can, people, I can, tell people where to follow you before I get this man out of here. I can, I can spoil Black Widow for you now. <laughs> and I've seen that. You can't spoil Black Widow for me. I was prepared for you, Dean. He doesn't care what you think. It's uh, I am Dean 16. That's with a six at the end. And uh, you can also find me in the Locked On Steelers group too. Absolutely, do find find all of all our guys. You can follow me, Chris Carter, the host of the Locked On Steelers podcast, on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to us. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and we're on the app Odyssey. That's A U D A C Y Odyssey. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Steelers podcast. Uh, we're back tomorrow. We're going to have more. We're trying to get Jenna Harner. Got to lock down and make sure that she's still good to go. Um, but we're going to try to have Jenna Harner back. If you're enjoying the, the Locked On Steelers podcast, please rate us five stars with a positive comment. When you do so on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, you get a shout out right here at the end of the show. Thanks again for listening. Be back in years tomorrow.